You're about to listen to another inspiring word from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. For more information and interaction with House on the Rock, please visit our website on hotr.org.uk. Praise God. The Bible said with all your getting, get understanding. One of the greatest problems we've had in marriage is that some of us, when we got a car, we got understanding of how to drive. When we move into our house, we got understanding of how to maintain a house. But when we got married, we didn't get an understanding of it. I met a, 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 a man, I was counseling a man and his wife. They came for paid counseling. And the man is a doctor that has a PhD. The wife is a nurse that has a PhD. At a point in time, both of them looked at me and said, the question we have for you is as intelligent as we are, how come we can't make it work? They asked them a question, how many books on medicine do you have? They say, a whole lot of it. How many books on nursing? A whole lot of it. How many books on pharmacology? A whole lot of it. How many books on chemistry? A whole lot of it. How many books on marriage do you have and you have read? Then they look at one another and say, that is the problem. You cannot harvest where you don't invest. That is why we have been trying to write materials that will help marriage and married people and among other things. So I have some books here that will help you. Let me first of all mention Unlocking Power for Exploits. Today is the seventh edition. If you want your prayer life revived, I recommend for you to get Unlocking Power for Exploits. I said there is no difference between a man that cannot read and a man that will not read. Both of them are illiterate. A man that cannot read is an illiterate by default. A man that will not read is an illiterate by choice. So you need to get literate. There's a book here called Marimatics. Not mathematics, but Marimatics. The almighty formula for marrying right. Because if you marry right, you have a prayer partner. If you marry wrong, you have a prayer point. <laughs> uh, so this will help you to marry right. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> praise God. <laughs> there is a book here, Seven Things Champions Do Before Breakfast. It's not me, it was um, Solomon that said, Woe unto you when your kings eat in the morning. And I didn't like that because I love my British breakfast. Anybody like me? <laughs> I was here yesterday. Uh, my wife and um, first daughter went to vote and I. Uh, they were showing me the process of voting, and I was at the hotel eating my own British breakfast, and I showed them my own voting, and they said, life is not balanced, you know. <laughs> Seven things champions do before breakfast. So I said, what unto him? Why? They discovered that the problem is not the eating. The problem is when and why. He said, you should eat for strength, not for any other thing. So I studied a thousand champions to, to write this book. Um, I still do how to make love last forever. My wife and I wrote this one, five, five chapters, no cheating. Because people that say I do, and I'm saying I'm done, I'm done for, I'm done, done, I'm not doing again. But you can still do. In this book, I wrote the story of a man that woke up and was looking at his wedding certificate for five hours. The wife was tired. The wife said, what are you looking for in this wedding certificate you have not found? The man said, leave me, leave me. I'm just looking for the expiry date. I'm just looking... <laughs> But there is no expiry date in the wedding certificate. It's still death do us part. And that's a very long time. Very interesting book here, The Prostitute's Approach to Business. <laughs> I mentioned it in one church, and the pastor's wife said, The blood of Jesus. But it's only, also Solomon Proverbs chapter 7, he stood by his window and saw a prostitute at work. And in certain things that prostitute did, that if you do it in your marriage, in your business, in your ministry, in your career, you get tremendous results. When God gave me the revelation, I now know why prostitutes don't do billboard, they don't do unbuild, they don't do complimentary card, they don't do TV or radio advert, but in every economic doom, they have a boom. The secret is here. Um, where I come from, they said, all of us, we eventually eat breakfast. We go breakfast. But the breakfast we're talking about is actually broken heart, okay? So I wrote a book called Surviving Betrayer. Not avoiding betrayal, but surviving betrayal. Because you cannot avoid it, but you have to survive it. Jesus had 12, one of them betray you. So how do you survive betrayal? Very powerful book. Um, there is a book here, I love my spouse bought. For about 30 years, people have said to me, I love my husband bought, I love my wife bought, I love my wife bought, and my spouse bought. So what do you do with the bought? That's the question. Yeah, I wrote the story of a man that came home, carried his wife, and started dancing. The wife was happy, elated, excited. 
I said, oh, you carry me, you are dancing. Are you drunk? The guy said, I'm not drunk. I'm even coming from church. Wow. What did Dr. Temi preach that made you to come home and carry me? Did, is he preaching about relationship? The man said, no. But he told all of us to go home and carry our burdens with joy and carry. <laughs> so sometimes your blessing can become a burden where you don't know what to do. My latest book is Matrimony. The Balance Between Romance and Finance. Very powerful book, if I may say so myself. Matrimony. Um, where I come from, they said love is sweet, but when money enters, love is sweet. How do I balance um, between romance and finance? One of the chapter is uh, no money, no honey, with question mark. It's going to bless you. <laughs> All right. Um, in Matthew chapter 19, I'm just going to... So many things to say, so allow me to, to do a bit of teaching from my books. In Matthew chapter 19, there was a discussion. They came to Jesus and asked him a very interesting question. They said, can we divorce our wife for any and every reason? And everybody was waiting for an answer. It was the Pharisees that asked the question. And when Jesus answered, it was very, very interesting because Jesus answered in a very interesting way. Verse 10, Jesus answered them in verse 9 and said, no, you can't divorce your wife for any and every reason. One of the things I found interesting was immediately Jesus said that it was the apostles that got annoyed. Not even the Pharisees. In fact, what they said was very interesting. What they said was in Matthew chapter 19, verse 10, they said in message translation, Jesus' disciples objected. They said, excuse me, Jesus, objection, my Lord. If those are the terms of marriage, we are stuck. <laughs> Look for somebody that is married close to you and tap them and tell them you are stuck. <laughs> uh, some of you are very, very stuck. <laughs> eh? I found that surprising because what do they mean that we are stuck? That means they're already looking for a way of escape, even the apostles. So it makes me realize that anointing does not make marriage work. If you don't have understanding. You say, if those are the terms of marriage, then we are stuck. Why get married? Of course, if all of them are not even having problems, I know Peter will be having. How I many of you know Peter will be having? Not only does he talk too much, but his mother-in-law was living in his house. If I, let me tell you a secret. I know why he denied Jesus. Don't tell anybody I'm the one that told you. But it's a secret. One day the mother-in-law was sick unto death. I mean, Peter was already happy. Rehearsing the testimony. Jesus now came home and saw the one and said, Ah! Be healed. Ah! Jesus! I will deny you. They said, if there was a terms of marriage, then we are stuck. Why get married? But the answer of Jesus in verse 11 is very classic. Message translation. But Jesus said, not everyone is matured enough to live a married life. Wow! He didn't say not every man is old enough. He said matured enough. Age and maturity are two different things. I've seen men at 14. I've seen boys at 40. Beards does not make you a man. If beards make you a man, every goat will be a man. <laughs> goats have full requirement. Money does not make you a man. There are several people that have money, but they are not mature. Let me drop this in. I was in South Africa, Johannesburg. One lady asked me a question. He said, if God does not want us to sleep together before we get married, why did he not just turn around, the, turn off the urge until the day we get married? That makes sense to me. Wow! Because for me as a pastor, it's been a struggle getting people that are not married to, not to sleep together and also getting married people to sleep together. I had a meeting in church one day. I said, you people, you are my problem. When do you want me to rest? Before marriage, I'm shouting, don't sleep together in the name of Jesus. Don't sleep together. I ban the devil. Don't sleep together. Bring your flesh under. Don't sleep together. Now you are married, I'm shouting, sleep together in the name of Jesus. Sleep together. I command you, sleep together. I ban the devil. Sleep together. When do you want me to rest? <laughs> oh, my. Some single people are thinking, no, can that ever happen? I tell you. You are married, your spouse will pinch you. You won't pretend as if you are asleep. You pretend as if you are dead. <laughs> it will take a resurrection of the dead to get me up. So I went back to my hotel room. I said, excuse me, Lord. If I may, my Lord, may I suggest to you that you turn this thing off until we say we now pronounce you husband and wife. You are ready. God said, if I've done that, you wouldn't know if you are marrying a boy or a man, a girl or a lady. Because maturity is the ability to delay gratification. Babies can't wait, but matured people can wait. 
So if he's telling you I need to sleep with you, I can't wait, I can't wait. That's a boy, that's not a man. Did anybody get that? Not everyone is matured enough to live a married life. It didn't say not everybody is matured enough to get married. Anybody can get married. But to live a married life takes maturity. Then he said something very powerful. He said, require certain aptitude and grace. Marriage is not for everyone. What? From my culture, we think marriage is for everyone. We make everybody feel you have to get married. Jesus said it's not important. It's not for everyone. Marriage is not for everyone. Even church, we push people. Marriage is not for everyone. He said it requires certain aptitude. That's why I brought the books. Get them. Get the aptitude. And it requires certain grace. Oh, today we brought the aptitude, but we brought the grace also. <laughs> In the name of Jesus. So you need to understand. Let me start with the singles. Um, I wrote here 10 questions you need to ask yourself before you say, I do. If you don't ask yourself those questions before you say, I do, one day you come back to say, I'm done. I'm done for. I'm not doing again. Number one question, can I see myself in the picture of his future? Beautiful. Because no matter when you marry, the future is still longer than the present. If you marry at, marry at 30, they will say you're late. But if you don't die until you are 80, that means you still have 50 years of marriage. It's about the future. There is something on my Instagram page. If you're not following me on Instagram, please do. Why do I say that? Because the problem, especially with the younger generation, is that you are following the wrong people on Instagram. So you think marriage is not working. If you follow me on my Instagram page, I put my parents there. They've been married for 56 years. Valentine, you see both of them wearing Jesse. You know Jesse? We wear Jesse in Africa without supporting the football team. They wore JC on Valentine's Day. My dad is 85 plus. My mom is 80 plus. And they were dragging one another and doing Valentine. I said, excuse me, you old people. They don't even know they are old, those ones. They were excited to get those four boys out of their house so that they can have the house to themselves alone. Marriage works. It depends on who you follow. Did anybody get what I'm saying? So there's something I put it up that is going viral on, on Instagram. I, I said, don't marry a man because he has television. Marry him because he can tell you a vision. Don't marry what a man is driving. Marry what is driving him. Don't marry today. Marry tomorrow. And a lot of people made the stupid mistake of leaving a man of vision for a man that has television. But 20 years down the line, they're watching the man of vision on their husband's now old television. <laughs> it could be very painful. Don't marry for where you are, marry for where you're going. When I got married sincerely, I didn't have a television, but I had a television stand. Uh, I'm a man of faith. <laughs> it was a TV that was slow in coming. But I told my wife, I said, listen, if you marry me, not only will I buy you televisions, I'll put you on television, and that I've done. Glory to God. I told her, I said, I didn't have a car today, but if you marry me, not only will I buy you a car, I'll buy you a brand new car. And I gave her a brand new car some years ago, kilometer zero, 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 zero. Another question you need to ask yourself, is it love? But it's a very tricky question because see, this generation don't even know what love is. One of the chapters in this book, how to know if you love somebody or somebody loves you. Because somebody went to pastor and said, pastor, I love her. How do you know you love her? I know I love Simi. How do you know you love her? I know I love her. How do you know you love her? I know I love her because when I'm with her, I can't breathe. <laughs> pastor said, that's asthma. That's not love. Go and see doctor. <laughs> this generation is mistaking asthma for love. Is it love? Another question. Do I find forgiving easy? When we are doing marital counseling, one of the questions we normally ask is talk about your fight. And some of them we say, no, we don't fight. That, I say, you are not ready for marriage. Because if two people always agree, that means only one of them is doing the thinking. Did you get that? If two people always agree, only one of them is doing the thinking. But I'm not so much interested in your fight. I want to know if your love is strong enough to cover it. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. It says, love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers. So if you see Dr. Tammy and his lovely wife say, no, they don't fight. No, it's that their love covers it. So you can't see it. It's not that it's not there, but love has a covering. Did you get what I'm saying? I love to say to people that love is a walk. 
Can I borrow the first lady for a minute? Don't worry, Dr. Timmy won't be jealous. <laughs> He's jealous, though. But we are in church, and I have the microphone. Love is a walk. Oh, this is sweet. <laughs> Love is a sweet walk. So you, you, you look on my Instagram page, you see my wife and I in, in Paris. Oh, they're having a good time. You see all the walk, W-L-K. But what you don't see is the walk, W-R-K. Ah, Pastor Telekopala, good to have you here. Bless you. And it's the walk that makes the walk sweet. If you don't put in the work, you wonder why your own work is not as sweet as that of Dr. Timmy. But there is a story behind the glory. Can I put hands together for the first lady? There is a work. And you've got to put in the work. There is no marriage. One of the questions, um, uh, I don't know if I'm going to get that, so let me mention that. I say to them, I say, are you, when people come to me, I say, are you ready to make it work? Because the work is, is key. Another question you need to ask before you say I do is, is it feeling mutual? <laughs> lady, one lady said to me, said, Reverend, don't worry about that. I love him enough for both of us. <laughs> I said, then you will suffer for both of you. <laughs> Ask Leah. Leah loved Jacob, but Jacob never loved her. She stayed extra seven years. Can, can, ladies, can you imagine your husband working seven years for your sister when you're already married? She had the first child. She named the child. Now my husband will love me. He didn't love her. The second boy. Now he will really love me. He didn't love her. The third one. Now he really love me. By the fourth one, he said, now my desire is to God. But you know he really never loved her because when he thought he was going to die, that Esau was going to kill him, he arranged things according to how important they are. Cow, goat, lair, and the children follow cow and goat. Another question you need to ask yourself, will my kids agree? <laughs> The problem with getting marriage is that you think you are choosing for yourself, but you are not just choosing for yourself, you are choosing for also your unborn children. So the people that will mark your script are not yet around. When they come, they will tell you one day, they say, thank you for giving us such a good parent, or what are you looking at when your maids are doing better? And this is where the problem is. You marry him because of the six-pack. By the time they came, it had become a keg or an amusement park. <laughs> so what you saw, they can't even see. So they're wondering what's wrong with you. So sometimes you need to, to look back because sincerely, tall, dark, and handsome does not pay tuition. Good ifs does not mean they are responsible. And that's very, very important. Another question Better relationships in my life, do they agree? And that includes your pastors, sometimes your parents. Because you see, if your own love is blind, theirs have had the surgery. It's in where. Better relationships need to agree. I tell people in church, if your parents don't agree, your pastors need to agree. You need somebody that is vested in your life to agree. Another question, very important one. Is God in it. If God is not there at the Genesis, don't expect him to show up at the Revelation. <clears throat> is God in it. Be sure. Never, listen to this, very important. Never marry somebody that you have to, one day when there is trouble, say, God, I'm sorry I didn't listen to you. Marry somebody that your first prayer point, but, but God, you told me. God, there is meant to be confidence in the place of prayer. That God, I, I, I thought I had you. I thought you said I should go ahead to back me up. Make sure God is in it. And God is interested in all areas of your life, including your marriage. Don't kick him out of that one. It's a threefold cord that's not easily broken, not a twofold cord. You know what I've even discovered? That marriage is meant to be a triangle. <laughs> God at the top, husband, their wife here. But this is where the thing is. Many a times in marriage, even though God is there, we are trying so hard to move closer to one another. But you see, the, we, we can't get to one another, but it's a long road. But if you move closer to God and she moves closer to God, the more to God you move, the closer you become. I'm going to put up something on my Instagram page not too, a, a, a few days from now. One of the teachings I did in a church, I was explaining to them, don't marry a man that can't hear God. 
man especially. One day me and my wife had an argument, and sincerely, when I get to heaven, we still say before God, I know I'm right. So I left home and night I was driving, and God said, go back and say sorry. I said, sir? I go back and, ah, ah, go, bam, go back and say sorry. I said, well, God, you don't understand, you are not an African. Eh? In Africa, we may go back and say sorry. I, I didn't even know how to do it. So I drove back home. He said, oh, you forgot something? I said, eh, eh, eh. I'm looking for, by the way, that thing, eh, sorry. I thought she would keep going. Say, hey, but I told you, I said, girl, see what they have caused, girl. Then God said to me, sorry is not that admittance of guilt. Sorry is a proof that you show empathy. That's why if somebody falls down beside you, you say sorry, though you didn't push them down. Learn to say sorry. It's very important. One of the questions I asked myself when I got married is, why are we so different? Have you ever had any married person here? You look at your spouse and say, where did this one come from? <laughs> and there are several reasons why we are different. Nature, nurture. But the key thing is that men are just different from women and women are different from men. And to start with, it's a law of magnetism. The opposites we always attract. Opposites will attract, always. I wrote here that when they just made computer, there was an argument. Should we call computer a he or a she? Oh, the woman said, that's no brainer. Computer is a he. The men said, no, computer is a she. They said, why? See what the woman said. He said, computer is exactly like a man now, because just like man, so is computer. To get their attention, you have to turn them on. Don't ask me for the meaning. They said number two, like men like computer, they are meant to solve problems, but half the time they are the trouble. They said number three, just like men, that's how computer is. After you spend all your money to get one, you discover if you have waited a little bit longer, you could have gotten a better model. Ah, don't say, your husband is sitting beside you. You are saying, ah. But the man said, no, computer is like a woman. He said, number one, nobody but the maker understand how they function. <laughs> they said, number two, like woman, like computer, your, small, your, your longest mistake is stored in long-time memory. <laughs> number three, they said, like woman, like computer, after you spend all your money to get one, then you have to borrow money to buy the accessories. <laughs> but the key thing is that we're different. In this book, I talk about several major differences. I'll just mention some of them. Number one, men are work-oriented. Women are home-oriented. For some reason, men think work more than home. Women think home more than men. When you see women talking at a function, you know my son now said, in fact, the other time my daughter, then my husband. But when men are going to say, you know, I got that contract. Oh, how is your work? Ah. When they're going home, they're fighting. The man is telling you, most everybody know about our family. You might say, most everybody know about your work. That is why when a man loses his job or work is not going well, he's depressed. When a woman loses her home, home is not going well, she's depressed. It might be because when God made man, the first thing God gave you was work before wife. Work before wife. Look at the young man, no matter how you tell them, work before wife. But when God made the woman, the first thing she saw was relationship. I got to my wife's office one day and she was boiling. She said, these people, they kept on changing this, my picture. I said, yes, I don't know why they do that. He said, you have noticed? I said, I have noticed. He said, every time I will turn it, they will turn it again. I've told them several times, they refuse to change. I said, yes, even me, I wonder why they do that. Then she paused and said, oh. I said, yes, several times I've helped you to change it. <laughs> he said, help me to change it out. I said, yes, I mean, this picture, you want your visitor to see it. She said, no, you are the problem then. You are the one changing it. I want to be seeing it. Ah. I said, this one. She said, it's a picture of me and you. She said, yes. I thought you put it here so a visitor can see how we look like. She said, no, I put it here so I can want to see be seeing us. We, we sleep on the same bed. We, we walk in the same office. You want to see be seeing us? She said, yes. Up to tomorrow, I can't get it. <laughs> why, why are you still seeing us? I was going to Botswana years ago before the days of, of phone. 
and I met a woman, and we're talking, and she said, you, you seem to love your wife so much. Can I see a picture? I said, I don't have it. They see that the woman, right? that was, you don't have a picture, and you say you love her. I, said, I know what she looks like. I mean, <laughs> Then she opened her bag and brought me pictures to grandchildren. I said, that's not me. <laughs> Number two, men enjoy the promise. Women, the process. And that affects everything. All we men care about is the end of the game. When I was a student, you asked of Ibadan, by the way, the greatest uni in the OI world. Uh, Chris. Greatest of, okay, now we're in church, praise <laughs> God. All right. I learned how to cook beans the perfect way. You take the beans, you put it in water, you cover it, you go and play, you come back an hour later. No, when you put the beans in, you put the onion, you put the seasoning, you put the, 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 the salt, you put the oil, you put everything, you cover it, you go play, you come back in an hour, it's done. Then I got married. She put only water, only water on fire and go and remove all the nutrients from the beans. Then wash the remaining nutrients away, and the water is still boiling there. Then after a while, she pulled the, the beans like that and go. Then comes back to taste if it is soft and go. Then come back to put salt and go. Then come back to put pepper and go. Then come back to put seasoning and go. Then come back to cut onion and go. Ah! When she's done, you say, come on, I'm too tired, I can't eat. Why won't you be tired? I've taught you how to cook beans, you won't listen. <laughs> That's how we men think women are different. The first major disagreement we had, we were not even married. She went to University of Ethiopia and she told me she needed a form for master's in UI. And I got her the form. What a surprise. I was feeling fly. I was feeling cool. When she came, I said, oh, you're welcome. You know, you mentioned you wanted to do master's in UI. This is the UI form. She said, thank you, but how did you get it? I said, the way they get forms. She said, no. Did you go and get it yourself or did you send one of your boys? I said, either I go myself or send somebody. It's the same form. They don't give it. She said, no, because if you love me, you will have gone. Ah. Ah. They don't do two different forms for people that come or send somebody. You see, most men here is there. I see one with the women are like, how can't you understand that? We don't. I think I've been in a marriage because the wife said, the, the wife, the mouth was boiling. Sir, it was her birthday. Do you know how I went? I bought her this, I bought her that, uh, and I was feeling, oh, he tried. And I said, hey, ask him how he got it. I said, did you get it? He said, I sent my secretary. And I said, can you imagine? The man said, my own party, you didn't even buy anything you could have sent anybody. You see, how many men, if your wife sends somebody to go and get you that posh car you want, you don't mind? So, when you want to do something for your wife, you need to learn that the process is important. Even God knows that. That's why God made sure that it's women that gets pregnant. It can't be men. Abortion will have been legalized long ago. <laughs> Just go to doctor and say, doctor, let me remove this thing. I want to go and play golf. <laughs> Next month, I will take another one. <laughs> no matter how uncomfortable the process is, the women are enjoying the process. And can I just quickly chip this in? That affects everything also, including sex. Men, women enjoy the process more than the promise. Stop behaving like your great-grandfather. Mama Clara, come, 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 lie down. God punished the devil and his mother-in-law. How can you read the book of Romans and you're not romantic? <laughs> Some of you will get that later. If you want sex at night, you start in the kitchen in the morning. The process is more important for the woman than the promise. Let me just say one more because my time is running out. Men are rational. Women are emotional. I told a young man that wanted to marry one of my spiritual daughters. I said, can I ask you a question? He said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, do you know what women do when they're sad? He said, yeah, they cry. 
Do you know what they do when they're happy? He said, no. I said, they cry. Do you know they sometimes cry and they don't know why? He was like, what? <laughs> he said, yeah. Why are you crying? I don't know. I'm just emotional. <laughs> but if I see Chris crying, I say, Chris, why are you crying? I don't know. Ah, doctor, tell me, let's cast the devil out of him. When God separated the, 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 the sex, I think the woman just took the emotional parts more. And that is why when you deal with your wife, you know you are not just dealing with rationale. You're dealing with emotion. Men need to get that. Men don't get that most of the time. And women, when you're talking to your husband, you're talking. So, so a woman wakes up and says to the husband, I think, especially, uh, I, I think we need to take these kids out of that school. And the guy said, why? He said, I just feel we need to. The guy, are, are you a feeler? <laughs> yeah, you, you, we, we had buffet yesterday. You woke up this morning, you are, you are feeling. Are, are you a feeler? <laughs> this is practically happened in my church. So I told the, the lady, I said, look, look, look. Most of the time your feeling is superior to his thinking. But it takes time for men to realize that. When your wife tells her, I don't think that guy is a good friend for you. You're number one. Why? So I told uh, I said, go and look for why. I said, this is what you do. Number one, go and find a better school. Number two, make sure some of his friends' kids are also there. Number three, make sure it's cheaper. When man here cheaper, <laughs> anointing comes upon him. <laughs> so, 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 men want facts. I was in Houston one time and I got a call from my son. He said, Reverend, how are you doing? I said, fine. I said, by the way, um, happy wedding anniversary. He said, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. That's why I'm calling you. My wife is stressing me out. She's stressing me out. He said, I bought her a, a, a brand new car, a, a, a Porsche, a red color, uh, automatic brake system, um, automatic gear, uh, a, a 12 cylinders. I was like, yeah. He said, yeah. my wife said she does not want. I said, how did you tell her? He said, the same way I'm telling you. I said, no, you are the one that is a disgrace. They're telling woman automatic brake system. She's wondering, uh, which one is that? Turbo engine. Uh, the turbo I know is the name of my kid brother. So I told him what to do. So he went back home and said, Honey, you know, um, considering how good you've been to me the last 10 years, I've been thinking of how to reward you. I thought of a dinner, but that we just sent in the toilet in a way. I thought of a dress. <laughs> but a dress won't make so much of a difference because I love to see you without one than with one. Then I saw this car. It's too loud. It's red color. Just like you stand out whenever you're with me. That's how this car stands out. Automatic brake system. Just like you put brake on me that you make sure my destiny does not have an accident. <laughs> Turbo engine. Just like you're the engine that runs my destiny. I said to him, I said to, I said, I said to, what did you now say? He said, bring it, bring it, bring it, bring it, bring it. Same car, same couple, same scenario, but now she could feel it. Make her feel it. I know you don't need to feel nothing, but you are not married to another you. Did anybody get her? <laughs> Let me just give you one more. Men are movers and women are multipliers. Mm, men move, women multiply. So you move and give her a spermatozoa. She multiplies it and turns it to a baby. You move and get her a house. She multiplies that and make it a home. Hmm. You move and give her joy. She multiplies it and give you joy overflow. Hmm. You move and give her trouble. You get it by president. <laughs> Shaking together, <laughs> running over. Women multiply whatever you give to them. We do what we call couples get away. My wife and I were doing one in Maryland, USA, in the month of May, in which um, we gathered couples together. Because one of the problems, like I say, is that if you don't invest in it, you can't harvest from it. And unfortunately, we, we, we invest in every other thing. In fact, we invest more in our children than in our marriage. Then the marriage breaks, and the children you've invested in start to have problems and crises. 
Me time is important. One of the questions people ask me, they say, you, you are always on the road, you are so busy. And interestingly, me and my wife are so different. She doesn't want to move, but she said concerning me, my husband lives in whatever moves. She said, if you see a plane flying, just let me say hello because my husband is likely to be there. But we married. Intentionality makes marriage work. Last year, I, I knew I was going to do some meetings in Porakot in May, for second thought for George Zumba. So, so, so I, I said, I said, let's go together. So we went to Lagos. We spent the night one of our favorite hotel in Lagos. Then the next day, we, we, we moved to Porakot. So we're together Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Then Wednesday, we flew back to get Lagos together and stayed back in our favorite hotel. No protocol came to pick us. I just arranged for somebody to pick us. Went back to this hotel. Just the two of us, no protocol, no nothing, no kid. We were there the whole Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Then I went to the airport to fly air to London. And then I sent for the protocol and pick her and take her back to Ibadan. I was in London for one week, Pastor Timmy came to visit me and gave me a T-shirt with balls on it. I love, I love that T-shirt. Uh, so, 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 was was air for for a whole week. When I got back home, I got home uh, uh, Monday morning and I was flying to Kigali, Rwanda, Monday night. So I, I, I no, sorry, Tuesday morning to, I was in Kigali till Thursday. When I got back here on Friday, I begged my wife to meet me in Lagos. So we stayed in one of our favorite hotels again overnight. Then the next overnight praying in tongues. Hallelujah. Praise God. Why are you looking at me like that? Then the next day, I flew to Calabar. I'm trying to say, even in the midst of the deep itinerary, we keep on creating time. That's what it takes. That's how it works. You can't harvest where you don't invest. I maintain a house in, in Canada. And when I wake up at 5 a.m., I stay on my bed and pray tongues for like an hour. But immediately my leg touched the floor. The first thing I do, I put a WhatsApp video call through to my wife. Because I want to make sure it's a voice I hear first. Before it's the voice of any man. It's intentionality. Then I move to the gym. Then I come back. Then I call her again. That, that's what it takes. So at the back of this book, I love my spouse, but we gave 20 questions for Marita to turn around. There are five about money. But I want to talk about the five. Five about sex. That one is bad. I'm not, we're in church. Praise God. But five about relationships. I'm just going to mention those five. It's going to be of help. Number one, are you satisfied or dissatisfied with any of my other relationships? Those are questions you need to ask annually, husband and wife. Because sometimes the problem in your home is not between the two of you. It's with other relationships. And this is the thing. My, my, my own is clear. If my wife is not okay with you, then bye-bye. Because I never enter into covenant with you, I enter into covenant with her. And that's difficult for a pastor to say, but that's what I've done. If my wife does not want you around, then you are gone. And I don't care how good you are. In fact, you might not have any problem. She might be the one with the problem. But I have a covenant with her, not you. You need to find out. Are you dissatisfied with any other relationship? Number two, are you satisfied with the relationship we have with our in-laws? You need to ask. Number three, do you think we need to increase or reduce the quantity and the quality of our friends? Yeah, that's very important. Number four, what are the things I need to do to improve our friendship? You know this is where the problem comes in. Most of you got married to somebody because you are friends. Then you got married, you become couples and forgot friendship. And friendship is the fuel that runs the engine of marriage. I tell young people, I say, sincerely, after you have been married for 10 years, it's not the sex that is shocking you. You are not running home because of the sex. You are running home because of the friendship. But this is how you know your friendship is having a problem. When you have the good news, and the first person you want to share it with is not your spouse. When you have a bad news, and the first person you want to share it with is not your spouse. You know your friendship quota is in trouble. So you need to ask. Then the question we need to ask consistently, what do you desire most in a friend now? 
I put it now because it changes consistently. It's very interesting. What somebody used to design a friend is not what they design a friend now. And you need to ask. My time is almost up. Let me just drop this. I wanted to talk to you about three levels of matrimonies in this book. I'll just mention that. Then I'll see one more thing and I'll be done. In that book, I mentioned three levels of matrimony. Number one, not enough. Then just enough. Then more than enough. We started from not enough. We didn't have enough. When I told you I didn't even have a car. I didn't have a TV. Then by the grace of God, we moved to just enough. This is my experience as a professional. Most of the time, if both of you love one another, you don't even have much problem at not enough, unlike what people think. At not enough, both of you manage well because you love one another. At not enough, you are creative with spending. I, I, I remember at uh, not enough, I saved money for my wife to buy a shoe. So after two weeks, I needed the shoe. I said, oh, Madam, where is the shoe now? She said, Oh, you hate it. I said, No, we don't eat shoe where I come from. She said, yeah, that's still you enjoyed. There was the money for the shoe. I said, oh, I made it. I told you shoe, not steel. She said, yes, but steel is more important than shoe. That's why till tomorrow, I'll still buy her whatever she wants and does not want. I got to it. I, 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 was, I was in London Street some several years ago, and I got to a store, and I saw a shoe made for my wife. I'm sure when God put the design in the mind of the maker, it was my wife God saw. And out of excitement, I called her. I said, oh, there's a shoe here I'm about to buy for you. He said, mm, how much? When I told her, I said, ah, that's expensive. Bring the money. I just called the phone. <laughs> then from, at not enough, I said something in that book. I said, there are three things you need to do. One of them is that you need to budget. Budget is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. Did you get that? Budget is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. Another thing, at that level, you need to consciously cut your coat. No, according to your clothes. It does not matter your size. It's the clothes you have. I wrote something there. I said, I taste without high income. is equal to high blood pressure. That's why people have high blood pressure. Then you move to just enough. I just enough most of the time. You have probably one another. You start to have problems with relatives and friends. Because you maintain your cars, your kids are looking good, you are dressing fine. So when they ask you for urgent 2,000 pounds and you can't produce it, they say you are wicked. Then the parents of the lady start to say, my daughter was very caring until that wicked boy comes into, his, into her life and vice versa. Then you move to just more than enough. It's interestingly, in my profession now, because it's not cheap sometimes for me professionally to enter into counseling with people, so people that come to me have money. Interestingly, that's when the problem starts. It's when the money comes. That you can, your wife gets to know you are traveling to France tomorrow. See, I forgot, see, I just saw this cheap ticket. I didn't even know what I was thinking before I bought it. And especially back home in Africa, once you have money, you build a big house, then you build Madame Bedroom and Master Bedroom. Problem. Hebrews 13 says, marriage is honorable in all and the bed, not the beds. There should be only one bed in the house for husband and wife. Then now you can drive your car. She drives a car. I, I used to get annoyed with my wife because she would say, if you're going to the same place, you have to drive in the same car. I said, drive your car. Let me drive mine. She would say, no way. We've got to drive in the same car. But you know what I discover? The greatest conversations takes place when you just wake up, when you're just about to sleep, or when you're riding together in a car. And once you remove those two because you now have money, you have removed the essence. Hmm. Many a times we drive to work and the people want to come and pick our luggage, but they see the way we are talking with the AC horn, everybody we go. We drive home and our kids, we just peep after 30 minutes and say, oh, they are still there and leave us there. The conversation is deep inside the car for some reason. In fact, better conversations happen in the car because now you are not looking at one another, you are standing beside one another so you can say that thing without any... <laughs> That's what I think. As I close, most of the things I've said today you can get in material. I want to tell you something you can get in my material. Very important. My time is up, but this is very important. 
I preached a message not too long ago. I called it the casualty of relocation that nobody talks about. Everybody wants to relocate, and it's a good thing. It's a good thing. I mean, in the last um, two years now, when somebody in church says to me, Rev, I need to see you. I do, I, when are you leaving? <laughs> I don't like us to prolong this, this. Just tell me when you're leaving, I pray for you, you go. I, I, and that's a good thing. I'm, I'm not even against it. But nobody's talking to you about these three casualties. Number one, dreams die. People that relocated to do ministry, today they're working in post office. People that relocated to do music, they're flipping burger. Dreams die. Some of my friends left for London years ago. They've been here 20 years. Some of my friends stayed back in Nigeria. It's time for the kids to go to uni. The guys in Nigeria have to cover 20,000 pounds to pay tuition, and they did. The one here needs only 4,000 pounds, and they can't afford it. And the kids have to go and take loan. Dreams die. A lot of people are just three paychecks away from losing their house and their car. But back home in Africa, where some of us come from, or Caribbean, when you have your car, it's your car. Dreams die. Number two, surprisingly, marriage fails. Marriages that were working, where you come from, you get here, the marriage is failing. One of the reasons is because here you are both economic immigrants trying to make ends meet that at the end of the day, you don't have time for one another. And where she works, they're telling her, you know, here you have the upper hand, there's a problem, you can call the police, and if there's any problem, blah, blah, and they're telling you, if you have money, don't let her know, she can wipe you out. And both of you are listening to people, but you are not talking to one another. Marriage dies. Number three, which for me is the most artful, is that the kids are lost. I've seen a lot of people that said to me, help me. My daughter wants to marry a female partner. My son wants to marry and, and all that. My, my son does not even know what gender he is, my daughter. And this is where the problem starts. And I'm talking to some of you watching us online. Your kid says to you on Monday, I'm tired, mommy, I don't want to go to, to school. Say, stop that, you have to go to school. School is important. The same kid wakes you up on Sunday morning. Mama, we have to go to church. I'm tired, I'm not going to church today, we watch online. You have defined for that kid what is important. So whatever they say to that kid in school must be much important than whatever they say in church. Because if church is that important, mama will not be too tired to go. Because you make sure I'm never too tired. To go to school. And when God brought most people here, it's not because of the pounds. I know pounds is powerful. Pounds is the only currency that has its own name. Every other currency is Naira, dollar, yen. But this one, Stalin is his surname. Pounds is powerful. But God brought you here to evangelize the land because he sent them to evangelize you initially. But it's not you that can evangelize them because you're not speaking their language. It's your children that will do a better job. That's why your kids, in fact, most of you, your kids speak two different languages. They speak one at home, and they speak one outside the home. And you don't know that until you listen to them speak to their friends on phone. And you can't even pick what they were talking about. <laughs> but then, the kids are not equipped. Listen to this as I close. The greatest, I put this on Instagram one day, and it went well. The greatest challenge of our generation is that people that were not well-parented are now parenting. Hear me? Our generation, I'm in my 50s already. People that were not well-parented, they have become parents. So, the younger generation now is now become two generations of unparented parenting. So, unlike me, I need to raise my kid right you need to raise your kids right and raise them to have enough understanding not to be converted wrong. Parenting is key. May you not become a casualty of relocation in the name of Jesus. Did anybody get blessed? Are you happy you came? Will you stand? Let's pray. <laughs> Hallelujah. Dr. Timmy, thanks for bringing me. I am happy I came. Wherever you are, Jesus Christ said, it takes aptitude and grace. 
Can you just bow down your heads wherever you are? You are here, you are single. I want to pray prayer of grace for you. Put your right hand on your chest if you're single. I pray for everybody that's on the sound of my voice that is single. God, you will help them. Help them to marry right. Lead them right. I break every addiction in their life. Every force is coming against them marrying right. I come against them. A, a minute to them making the wrong decision, you will save them. They will look back in years to come and be grateful for the process in the name of Jesus. If you're married, put your right hand on your chest. I pray for every married people. Let your hand be strong upon them. Lord, heal them of unforgiveness. Let them marry to walk. Bless this marriage, Lord. Make them an example of your goodness and your greatness. Thank you, Lord, because after today, they will enter into newness of marriage. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise and we give you glory. In Jesus' name, and everybody say, Amen. Every head still bowed, every eye still closed. I got married to my wife because I asked her to marry me, and she was gracious enough to say yes. You might be here, you have never said to Jesus yes. This might be your first time of saying to him, yes, become my lover. Oh, you have said it before, but you yourself know that since the time you said it and now the relationship is not working. I am here on behalf of Jesus to ask you to say yes to him and then to renew your devotion if it's not there. Every head's bowed, every head's closed. If you're here, you want to do that, just put your right hand on your chest also. And repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, today I give my life to you. Enter into my life. You have died for me. I want to live for you. Thank you because this is our relationship we work. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We hope you've enjoyed this uplifting sermon from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. We hope you've been informed and inspired. Join us for services every Wednesday and Sunday. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at HOTR London. Also, live stream our services on YouTube at HOTR London. For more information, visit our website on hotr.org.uk.